Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, we're talking food. I love it. I love to consume it. I like to enjoy it. I'm not a, a huge fan of actually preparing it, and I have a strong dislike for the sentence, what's for dinner? <laughs> Probably like so many of you out there. Now, today we're sitting down with food specialist Corey Keeley, who's the founder of Kitchen Connected. We're going to get a better understanding of how we are consuming foods these days, um, the growing difficulties, I think, with people and food and food intolerances and allergies. We're going to talk about the shift in the food industry uh, and get down to like really the basics of the challenge of meal prep and getting things ready and on the table for your family. So really excited for episode six of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. And if you're looking for more information, you can find it at extensionmarketing.com. Corey, great to have you. So fun to be here. I know. This is a, a different outlet for us. And I, I love that I can go back a little bit with you. I mean, I know what you're like in the kitchen, but I, I need to ask, like, when did your love or your passion for food or being in the kitchen really start? So I was not allowed in our kitchen growing up. My mom is a homegrown chef, self-taught, incredible foodie, um, probably one of the most talented food people I've ever met. Um, all self-taught. So when she would cook, people would just want her food. And this is growing up in Peterborough, small community. Um, she had four kids. She made her own yogurt. We, you know, she sprouted um, alfalfa sprouts. Like she did it all out of passion. So I, I kind of giggle about it because literally we were not allowed to cook because that was my mom's place. But we were fed the most incredible foods from from growing up. Like my mom made her own pasta. Um, she oh made pesto and she'd freeze it in ice cube trays. So when I came home from school, my after school um, snack was homemade pasta with pesto and cream sauce that was, you know, grown in our garden. So I think, like I don't know where I didn't even start cooking until I was twenty something. That you were able to get in and actually cut yeah, it stuff for yourself. To, yeah, so my passion for good food, probably with just my exposure to it, having been fed and watched my mom do mm -hmm. it. And then when I went to university, I, same thing, did a residence, I gained 15 pounds, ate the meal plan, did, had no appreciation for cooking for myself, um, got my first apartment with my, my roommates. We ate craft dinner, and I loved that chunky clam chowder in a can, like that you got at Red Lobster. Like that's literally what they instead of a can. That I think I ate, the, and I would eat the full big can of it. I, and then we went to Europe, and I gained. I was thirty pounds heavier from when after I was done after university, you left, home. left home, not cooking, no idea. Um, so I finished my university degree basically as any other normal person who never cooked for themselves um, and started looking at my grandmother's health at that time and I had young grandparents and uh, she was immobilized she had a lot of um, uh, pain and suffering and I just looked at her and I just thought I don't want to be like that when I'm 55 I don't want to be in a wheelchair and I started really looking at what I was interested in um, outside of my university, which was just a general BA in psychology and French and philosophy and whatever. 
And I realized that when I was really interested in something, it had everything to do with nutrition. And, um, and so after I finished university, I had that hard time where like, I, I felt like a loser. I had no skills. I had worked in restaurants as waitressing. And, um, and so I had to really dig deep into what made me tick, what I loved, what my passion was. And it was definitely food and nutrition. So okay, but I, at this point, I'm just, I'm listening and I'm following yeah, the path. I know. So you're, at this point, you've eaten the 15 pounds, the freshman 15. Yeah, yeah. You've done the Europe, you've done your KD and craft dinner. Yeah. Did you have to look at yourself first to say, my own nutrition, my own yeah. way of life is not going to be conducted oh. to, to following this Yeah, you know, this I was like a chunky kid and I'm tall so people like I wouldn't necessarily look like I was overweight but I for sure was overweight and um, and not you know not feeling great so basically I just took it on to self teach myself like I started rollerblading to work I got my bike you know just becoming more active and then it was the food component that I really loved and probably because I had that foundation from my mom showing me how to do it and then I was like I gotta do this for myself and I need to learn how to do it. And anyways, I loved it. So I found a program at um, Kentville College that was a food nutrition management program. It was a two-year college after I finished university. I thought, okay, I'm gonna do that. So I got married in November, and then I went to college full-time in January and drove to Kentville College back and forth. And I was never happier in my entire life. It was exactly every part of that course, from food styling to food presentation to human nutrition. Um, product development, flower arranging, like there's these catering management, every part of it was exactly what made me tick as, a, as a, you know, what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But at the same time when I was there, I thought like most people graduated and went to work in a hospital uh, in a food service supervisor or um, with retirement homes and that I wasn't doing that. I thought, no, no, I'm not doing that. I just wanted this information for my own knowledge. And so when um, we do a five-week placement, um, they wanted me to go there. And I said, no, I don't need to graduate. I just wanted this information. So, But because I actually was the top student, I, I got scholarships and awards because I was so into it. Um, they needed me to graduate, so they put me with the dietitians um, at the City of Ottawa. And my assignment was working on um, developing a marketing plan for fruits and vegetable consumption. So I got to work with these dietitians on this incredible thing, and it just, when I look back, the path that it, it that set me on was amazing because that's basically what I do now with Foodland Ontario and other marketing boards is I educate people on fruits and vegetables and try to make people understand how important they are and what to do with them and la la la. So that was my five week placement and it kind of set me on my way with uh, learning and teaching and educating and loving. And I look back because in all the segments that we've done on the show, your food presentation as well is just beautiful and, I, and I'm thinking of you talking about being in these classes and having to kind yeah. of look at all of that. The way you present food makes such a difference because, it, you know, we eat with our eyes also, right? Yes. But when you make these healthier options look so good, it becomes very tempting. You, you have to try it at least. Yeah, we definitely eat with our eyes first. And that's my mom. My mom used to make this beautiful pear tart. And then that's when in the day when you had to, you know, develop your film. So she would take hundreds of pictures of every side of it in the light and everything. And so she was like the original food stylist to me. And presentation is everything it still is. Um, but 
at Kenthill College, I definitely learned interesting things like odd numbers look better on a plate. So if you're putting on, let's say, potatoes, put three, five, or one, but don't put four because the eye likes odd numbers. So little interesting things that you learn and, and apply mm -hmm. all the time. Color, height, all these different things make a difference to when we're looking at food. So not only on the on a television set, but even when you're entertaining. I oh, mean, yeah. that makes such a difference. Oh, I'm ridiculous. At home, I still, like my family, they're just used to it. But I think, you know, if I make them a grilled cheese, I put the ketchup and a little ramekin on the side. And, you know, I make sure <laughs> I wipe off the crumbs that, you know, you cut it on the plate and it looks like a big mess. I do not like that. So... I'm not a perfectionist. They, they have been spoiled. They are used to pretty stuff. Right. Do you, do you still love it? I mean, you, you said like you found your place, you know, all those years ago, at, you know, studying this, but do you still have a passion for being in the kitchen and, and trying new things and developing recipes and, and kind of presenting it to the family, to the kids to try? Yeah, it's my thing for sure. That's my happy place. Um, I go in phases where I'm so sick of cooking and I, I have no idea what to cook as well. And um, but then I'll get inspired by something and it sets me back and I mm -hmm. get, you know, I love just throwing food into my kitchen and then setting it out on the counter and go, okay, what are we making with this? And try to come up with something different or, you know, more healthy or a twist on a, a classic. So right now I'm heavily into um, like vegan foods and trying to figure, not that we eat vegan, but it's a growing trend. It's a plant-based um, eating is really popular. Um, I do eat gluten-free, dairy-free to feel my best, and uh, and that's a big challenge for me. It's huge. So I am constantly trying to uh, feed my, you know, I'm a flavor junkie. I like, I like, I like it all. So when someone tells me this is my bread I get to eat and it's horrible, then I don't want to eat it. Like I just you'll figure it. out a, a different way. I have way to, to find do it. out a different way. Okay, since you brought that in, let's talk about yeah. this because I think for a lot of people. They're dealing with food intolerances. Yeah. They're dealing with allergies. And these are, I think, things that are happening later in life, right? Like, I, I know now and I can figure it out. When I have cheese, I'm guaranteed a stomachache. Oh. <laughs> you know, like yeah. a couple hours later and I don't have as much dairy and I went to lactose-free. And these are things that I think a lot of us are doing later on in life or finally realizing the, this this feeling I've had in my stomach all these years, there's got to be a reason behind it. And so you've seen yeah. that shift in people understanding what food intolerance is or allergies and how to cope with that. Yeah, that was my thing. When I turned 40, I felt the worst I'd ever felt in my life. And by, you know, stereotypical menu, Canada Food Guide, I'm a very healthy eater. You know, I would eat my balanced um, breakfast. I'd eat cottage cheese with diced tomatoes and basil and salt and pepper on it. And I think I'm, and then I was getting all these like white dots all over my face. And I thought, oh, well, that's weird. Um, my stomach hurt um, after I would eat a big meal. My friend, it was so, I, it makes me laugh because um, we'd have a beautiful dinner of like mashed potatoes and chicken and vegetables, you know, with maple syrup and butter on them and, you know, delicious and not bad. And we're exercising, so you can eat whatever you want typically. And then at the end of the dinner, I'd be like, I gotta lie down. And she'd say, you gotta stop drinking water with your meal. I think it's like taking away your digestive enzymes. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I gotta cut out the water. <laughs> Never ever wanted to blame the food. And when it, I had to dig deep and look at, you know, what, when do I feel 
unwell. When is my stomach like this? When do I feel like my rib cages are busting? And it's not that I've eaten very much, it's just that it's not sitting well. And that's when um, I had to get some food sensitivities tested and I had everything. I had dairy, wheat, red meat, like every single thing that I probably ate too much of. At this time too, don't forget, I was working as a milk calendar spokesperson going on media tours across Canada for four years in a row, teaching people how to cook with milk. I worked for the beef farmers, um, you know, as a spokesperson and teaching people, you know, how to cook a prime rib, how to cook, cook an oven roast, what's the difference. Um, this impacted not just my favorite foods, but my my livelihood. So I was I was not um, accepting it very well at all, and it's taken. And I still don't like. I still go forget that. I'm eating those mashed potatoes with whipped cream, butter, and sour cream and cheese on top. And then I pay the price and I go, okay, I won't do that again. But it was a hard, it still is, I still struggle with it because those are my favorite foods. <laughs> How should people, because there's there's others that are dealing with this, are yeah. there ways to kind of find new recipes or ways around it? I, mean, I know with you, we were cooking with cashews, right? Because, yeah. uh, you know, cashews are a way to, mm -hmm. to implement when you can't do the dairy. Like you have then looked at ways and other foods to have a similar taste or to be able to create something yeah we're really lucky we're, we're like this generation now we're lucky that we can research so easily on the internet um, and find people who have lived this way their whole life and and will never deviate from it and have improvised in all kinds of different ways some just because you're eating vegan though or you're eating dairy-free doesn't mean you're eating well so you find what works for you and baby step yourself into it. So like if you need a mac and cheese uh, substitute, then you find out how to make it. And cashews are incredible. So cashews have no flavor really. Um, they're really neutral. So when you soak cashews in water or boil them for 10 minutes, soak for four hours or boil for 10 minutes, it softens them and it makes them like really creamy. So in your blender, blend with a little bit of water and that makes a, like a paste that you can turn into um, uh, cream cheese, you can turn it into like a soft cheese if you ferment and add some things. Uh, there's all nutritional yeast. Cream, I think we had done a cream. We did, so I make cashew cream for mm -hmm. my coffee so that I would not make a paste. I would do one cup or like half a cup of soaked cashews with about four cups of water and then I put in two dates and some maple syrup, cinnamon and nutmeg and then you blend that up and it is the most delicious cream for your coffee and otherwise I just drink my coffee black and I'm perfectly happy that way but oh my gosh it, it makes me happy I do not feel like I'm missing anything I think it's the biggest treat so but it's a process and you have to try things out and experiment see is it, what works is it for accepting you. it first and foremost too? Oh and what gosh. would you say to have people go and find out what their food intolerances are that it does make a massive difference. It makes a huge difference. So go get tested, go to either your doctor, uh, go to a naturopath. Um, I have one that I really like. Uh, I've been to a few, Sarah Vatabonkur, she's on a, um, she's on Preston Street, right above Raw, Pulp and Grind. She's got an IV lounge. She's very uh, current on what's going on with everything. Uh, she just did a talk on thyroid problems yesterday that I was following her on. So anyways, find somebody, talk to your friends who have been through it, and get uh, just go for a consultation and just hear what they have to say. You do have to accept it, because I did not accept it. I waited till it was, but I was suffering from heartburn, extreme heartburn all the time. Um, I was tired. I was 
I would say borderline depressed. And I'm not a, like, I'm a high energy person and that's always been something people would describe me as like, I don't even know where you get the energy to do this. And I think as I had that, I have that personality, I was able to push through my fatigue and all that stuff, but not myself for a long time. My skin was terrible. I have red bumps all over my arms, all over my legs. And I had that my whole life. And um, when I went to the doctor when I was in like early 20s, they're like, oh, that's just, um, folliculitis and I thought okay but it was, I, I was like is there a cream that you can put on that and they said no and then when I had gone to see Dr. Joelle she said oh that's called we call that chicken skin it's actually a sign of food intolerances and I thought oh lovely the doctor told me it's nothing I can do about it and truly when I followed the food plan um, that my skin cleared up it went completely away my dark circles went away my brain fog went away I actually, it scared me how much energy I had. I'm like, I don't even know how to harness this feeling of wellness. It was almost scary to me that I felt but it's, that it's good. It's got to be exciting. And it was accepting the foods you couldn't yeah. have yeah. and adding the ones. Did and you have to add it. things to it? No, I just no, had to cut out. Had to I cut. had to cut out dairy and wheat and uh, red wine and coffee. Like for a short term, for two months I did it. So what happened to me when I did that... Um, I, I run marathons, not anymore, but I did at the time. I worked out, I bike, like very super active. And I would say fit, and but always had this stomach uh, bloat. And um, normal, I thought I had three kids, whatever. Of course I have a stomach, everybody does. But when I, after like six weeks, all of the sudden, I, I just, I deflated and I, I attribute it 100% to inflammation in my body. I also had pain always down the entire right side, like an ache, not like stabbing pain, but this kind of dull ache down the right side of my body that 100% went away. The other thing I had were really irregular um, menstrual cycles and like awful. That completely changed. It, it just, everything seemed to fall into place and it was only to do with what I was choosing to eat in my body uh, and put in my body. So it was significant for me and I tested it long enough. So that is, you know, those are the things that keep you on that track. And so that's eight, eight, nine years ago now that that started, but, and I test it all the time. I'll eat the big piece of pizza. I'll do it. Um, and it, it just, it just reinforces, no, this isn't in my head. This is the way it is. And you need to when you know it's important you need to make sure that you're on track and when you started to then look into development of recipes because right. because you had to make these changes you wanted it to you were doing it for yourself but then also because you're about education and giving yeah. ideas and recipes I'm because that's what you're so good at was it interesting for you then to start creating recipes and start to create things for other people that they could enjoy having certain things taken out of yeah their their meal plans but some things to add to well, so I could see very early on when I was given my, my, my food plan uh, that it would be very hard to succeed for most people because I love cooking and I do get excited by recipe development. So I could look at that list and go, okay, I can have all these herbs. I'm going to make a delicious pesto and then I'm going to put it on these boring vegetables that I have to eat or, you know, um, so I started doing that. I did that. I made some, I made four different pesto recipes, like a cilantro one, a basil one. Um, one that was more um, kind of a mix like oregano or rosemary that type of thing so I would be able to mix up the flavors within my food groups that, that way 
Um, the bread that we were given as a replacement was hard to make. It was uh, weird ingredients. Like at that time, I'd never heard of quinoa at that time. Um, there was uh, flax, millet, teff, like amaranth. Like, what is that? So I went to the health food store and basically got all this stuff, made it, and then went back and said, this is ridiculous. Like, nobody, nobody's doing this. If I'm not doing this, nobody is. So if this is the key to success <laughs> to this program, it's if, a failure. If a food expert can't I make can't, it, then, like, the, then the average person isn't going to make it. Not in doing it. Was that the idea behind the Energy behind the cookie, the, behind the crackers that you yeah. ended up developing? Well, so that was the thing. I was allowed to eat as much of this bread that I wanted in the morning, as much, like, uh, so I'm not joking. I'd make a tray, like a big, huge tray, and uh, I'd eat it all. And um, and then for lunch, you would just have your, your protein and then your whatever vegetables, and for dinner too. Um, so I was never hungry, though. Like, that's what I couldn't understand is I did not have hunger ever in my day. Was I looking for a snack or anything? So it was working, and I was on board. So that was – but but – there were some things that you could like if I could find a package good that filled my food requirements I could buy it and eat it but there was nothing so that's what made me realize I'm not the only person who can't have corn uh, you know rice potato starch all those things that are in most packaged goods um, and so that's where Energive began was and at that time also those pestos for wellness herbal teas like there's all these like very simple things that if you um, are eating those, your body's not craving the other stuff. It's unbelievable, really. So Energize, that's how it all started. But the crackers, um, to me, we, it was called a crunchy bread, but for shelf life and all that stuff that goes with packaged food, you need you know, no moisture, you need to have mm -hmm. a shelf life of six months or more. So they turned from a crunchy bread into a cracker. Same health properties, um, but just one that could be sold on a shelf. What was the reaction for people who were living similar to you, but finally had products now that tasted, you know, that had taste to them, flavor, and were meeting the requirements? I still, that's my most proud thing I've done, is that people, I like that product really helped people who are suffering. People have celiac disease, they could trust that it was peanut free, you know, all those things. And no sugar, no added sodium, like those, these are all unheard of properties in most packaged foods. So uh, having a product that's a safe haven and tasted good, which is important to me, obviously, because I'm a flavor junkie, but um, that feels good. And I would get the best emails from people just talking about how finally they can eat something that they didn't have to make themselves. And I, I get it. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, that was pretty good. That was pretty great. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally, as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. Do, do you find that the food industry is catching up? I mean, you were able to create those energy crackers yeah. a couple of years ago, but are there more options out there right now for people who are suffering, um, but 
it's they're getting to be a little bit more creative when they're heading to the grocery store. Yeah, no, it's it's so much better now. Like literally, with like that when we were making our crackers, it was decided if we put quinoa on it because it was such a weird product. Like no one even heard of quinoa before, or I even hadn't. Like, and that's my world I lived in. So I think there are a lot more. There's a lot more people looking for it. I think. Um, Maybe it is because of the internet and people are researching more and there is more access to information that we're figuring out. I don't feel well and you can kind of learn from others. Um, but products, yeah, product development is huge. It's becoming very innovative. People are understanding that it has to be low sugar, no refined sugars, um, good fats, you know, all the, and yeah, I think we mm -hmm. are in a much better situation than I was. And okay. that's, you know. Yeah, for sure. Okay. You're also in a situation where you have three kids yeah. and you had three very active, competitive, yeah. growing. I mean, <laughs> Alexander's set, how, how tall? He's six foot eight. <laughs> six foot eight. <laughs> so you have to imagine what it's like to feed uh, three growing, very active kids. So I want to hit on what you're really good at as well, and that is the meal planning and the concept of, of families being on the go, on the run, and trying to figure out what to serve, how to have food on the table, snacks in the fridge. What is your, can I, like, what is your secret? I don't know. Well, so in a way it's not super fair because that's what I do for a living and I love it and it's not a chore for me. I often... It's a chore for most people. I, it is. And sometimes it is for me and then I think, whoa, if this is hard for you, like, how are people who work out of the home, you know, leaving at 8 a.m. and getting home at 5.30, what are, what are they doing? Um, so I think you can only do the best you can do. If you can start your meals thinking around vegetables and fruit and vegetables and then make that your main and then back it up with the protein and then what does the carb look like, if that makes any sense. Okay, that's almost opposite, I think, to how people that's would how. normally grocery shop. I'm thinking I people know. will go, okay, we're gonna have a fish, a meat, the steak. I know. Uh, let's add the potato, like, that's backwards. So you, I, know. I, I, I like it, but I think that's gonna be for a lot of people going, okay, okay. we're going. We're reversing We're reversing, it. but you would suggest reverse it. That's how you start. Well, here's the thing. Um, Plant-based foods are what give our bodies what they need for everything it's it like I mean we need our proteins we need all that but um, we are not as a society getting enough fruits and vegetables in our diet and it's the hardest thing to do so you know I don't know I I know what I'm saying sounds crazy but it is important so even like listen so if my this was a great trick that my friend did and she would just every day her kids got home from school and she had a massive thing of vegetables and dip hummus whatever out and nothing else was out so the kids came home starving and they devoured that plate of vegetables and so she thought okay well now I don't have to stress out about having a salad at dinner or whatever so then that takes that off so then she has her pasta or whatever and not such an emphasis on eat your vegetables because the vegetables have been eaten in advance so that's a trick and a tip and I think a lot of people do that I think it's you know and our vegetables don't have to be they can be raw vegetables so we did that meal prep thing at your house and uh, on Sunday you know got a mat like when you're peeling your carrots peel the entire bag and then put them in a, in a container so they're ready to go that's one step less you have to take celery wash it take the pieces off you don't like the look of, get it in the bag. Um, you go through a lot of Ziplocs. Yeah, I recycle them too. And if you can buy the glass things, 
the that Costco actually has them and it's very inexpensive and they're big so they hold a lot so whatever storage containers I think you need them the worst thing you can do um, people are like well eating healthy is so expensive I'm like no it's not when you throw food out that's expensive so buy your food get it ready to be able to so when you get home from work and you're stressed out and you don't know if you just start chopping up your vegetables like I would just and this is what I'll sometimes do I'll just start chopping an onion and then I'll grab my carrot my celery those are my go-to things they may at the beginning of a chili they're the beginning of a tomato sauce they're the beginning of a stir-fry they're the beginning of a soup so you start with your onion your carrot your celery just get started and then go okay now what am I doing with this okay so now I have some red cabbage I'm going to shred that up throw it in this looks like a stir-fry to me now so um, you know, build your vegetables around it, get them going, and then throw the chicken in, throw the shrimp in, or whatever. And then, what's your sauce? I don't know. Throw something on there. So, kind of, if you just kind of get started. But if it's if it's ready to get started, you're ahead of the so game. So, if you already have your carrots, your celery, and your onion chops in it, and chopped, and in a Tupperware or yeah. in the fridge, you start to take those out, and you just throw things in. So, you're not necessarily planning that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so Friday. I'm not. Okay. How, how do you recommend people then to do somewhat your style yeah. um, by getting the, and, and having that base of the vegetables yeah. in there so and still feel like they've got enough food to last them when they go grocery shopping that's going to last them for the yeah. week? Okay, so I think we are basing it on, um, so you know what your schedule is. So basically the reality of this is, is that you need to do food prep. So when can you do it? Is it Sunday? Can you take two hours to get yourself organized and make a plan for the week? Or is it Monday? And then probably midweek, you're going to need at least another hour, hour and a half at some point to top up what you've done. So you need to think about your protein. Roasting a chicken is amazing. It's uh, easy. It's, you, just th you can either throw in your, cook, your crock pot, you can put it in the oven. Um, or like I'll, barb I'll go to Costco and buy massive amounts of chicken and then I barbecue all of it. And then I chop it up and then I put some in the freezer in individual bags or I put some in the fridge. Like you know you're not going to go through all of it. So it's thinking about your family, knowing that maybe you want a stir fry, you want a pasta, you want a soup with a salad. You know, look at what your family will eat and kind of plan it through what you need to buy in advance. Okay, then you're going to have either's I'm I'm thinking of someone listening to this going, yeah, but I've got picky eaters. Of course, we all have picky eaters. <laughs> so I don't know, that's your problem, but you got to figure it out. But also, I think that kids. Um, I have a whole section in our cookbook about picky eaters. I can't tell you how many people say that out loud in front of their children, and they're like. Oh, but he's picky and think oh sure is and you just told him so and you just gave him permission so you know what you have to get a little bit creative so there's tips so let's say so as an example I love applesauce I will not eat a raw apple I don't like biting into them I don't like the feeling of it on my teeth I don't like the skin but if I chopped it up and put it in the microwave or cooked it and made it soft I'd eat the whole thing I love apples but I won't eat a raw apple so your kids when they're when they're young and coming up don't write it off that they just don't like that. So maybe they don't like raw carrots, but maybe they like cooked carrots. Um, and ask them questions. Say, oh, like, can you tell me what you don't like? Is it the color? Is it the shape? There, there might be strange things when they're small, but if you can get them to articulate what exactly it is, then you can say, oh, let's try it this way. And I had a thing with my kids, and my nephew still does it. He's 21, it cracks me up. I'll say, you know what, you guys, you might just get the surprise. 
and they're like, what? When they're little, they're like, what's the surprise? I'm like, oh my gosh, it's when you think you're gonna really dislike something and you try it and you go like, I got the surprise! And you make a big deal out of it. And these kids love getting the surprise. So if you can kind of market to your kids, what's all about marketing, they grow up as marketing uh, with people, you know, enticing them. So I don't know if I should share that part of the cookbook because I do have tricks for getting okay. picky eaters. And let's talk about that. We have the cookbook uh, that's right here. Um, and it, we had Aaron and Chris on yeah. uh, in, in our last podcast. So it's great that I was able to bring you in. The ultimate cookbook for hockey families. But this really is for any family busy on the go, on the run, uh, needing snacks and nutritional snacks. and Right. Like, what was your idea? Because Aaron had a lot of the connections to the hockey world. Yeah. It was your recipes, your thought process, your nutritional things that, that really kind of brought it together. Well, Aaron had that idea. She said, you know, people are struggling. We need to, uh, you know, they ask me the same questions all the time. She's like, I'm kind of tired of answering. She's like, but I, I know the nutrition, but I don't really cook. I just assemble things. I'm like, well, that is actually the way it is. It's not really cooking. It's putting together, you know, components to make a meal, add a sauce, you're done. And so she said, no, but I need you to do it. So anyways, I she told me her idea, and I said, yeah, that is great. So we just sat down and looked at the busy family and what they actually have time to do and are willing to do. And people are willing to cook for their athletes, it seems more like. They just want their kids to succeed. So the hockey component... Uh, dance moms like all of these moms are like what do I give them so they can get through so we just did that we we broke it down by nutrition we did smoothies we did um, you know granola just basic recipes and then we have ways to throw it together we empowered the kids by doing um, design your own sniper smoothie again we're marketing we're a sniper smoothie uh, we have power packs so there's fun ways that you can make regular foods um, seem a little bit more exciting are there foods that you had banned that you didn't allow the kids to have growing no. up? I still don't. Like we we will do the the drive-throughs. We eat chips on Friday night. We do it all. Like my husband loves jujubes like more than anything. We have all that stuff, and I don't think it's even realistic to take it away. I grew up eating. I would break my piggy bank and ride my bike and buy every bit of chocolate there was at this store. Um, I think I think when that takes over the healthy eating, that's when we have a problem. And uh, so, no, I don't ban anything. I still don't. Mm -hmm. And I don't make my family not eat wheat and dairy because I can't. It's not fair. They don't seem to have a problem. I do watch them, though, to see if, you know, it develops at some point. Uh, my son, Alexander, does have, like, he has eggs, wheat, dairy. And he was a... 13-year-old boy playing competitive hockey trying to gain weight. I was feeding him cheesy eggs on toast every day. And then we found out, like, oh my gosh, I'm almost poisoning the poor kid. Um, and then when he did a month uh, of eating, which is so hard, like that was brutal, he felt great. And he will still say to me, Mom, will you bring me back to, like, that Will you cook for me? And I'm like, of course I will, but then you can't go eat pizza. Pizza at lunch is Brexit. You <laughs> <laughs> can do all that. Um, okay, so if I asked you then, I mean, and you've, what would be the five things that everybody should have in their kitchen? Um, like, like food or like, or like uh, yeah, no, okay, uh, so let's do this. Thing. Okay, l five things, five components, five things in your kitchen that okay. you think everyone should have. You need a good cutting board. A big one so that the food you're cutting isn't flying off and you're getting frustrated. Okay. And a lot of it is just objections like, I don't like chopping. Well, is your knife dull? 
Uh, do you have a good knife? Because if you're chopping with a dull knife, it is. It's brutal. Um, so you need a knife and you need a cutting board. A big cutting board. Yeah. Okay. You need a good saucepan, like a, a like a, a, a pot to make soup, to make sauces. Um, you need. Oh my God, I love this. I don't think you need anything fancy. You need a really good blender. In today's world, you need to be able to make good smoothies. Um, you can make soup. You can make sauces in them. Um, you need onions, carrots, and celery all the time in your pantry so that you can start a sauce, a soup, a salad, a stir fry. Um, a lot of people now, and I don't have one of these because you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm not very good in the kitchen. I don't own one of those. I crock pot or like this there's this new there's a new oh, thing out there pot. what is it instant like what instant what pot. what is that like how it's are people cooking cooker. with it so okay. it's a pressure is it? cooker okay so i don't actually have one and i don't know i don't so that's not my i get why people want it and why there's a huge hype because it's claiming to have meals in under an hour you okay put everything which in. is what people are it, dying for yeah because a slow cooker it is a four to eight mm. hour process no matter what which is beneficial if you're an advanced prep person and you're getting it you know, leaving it in the morning and coming home to it. It's amazing, right. the slow cooker. Okay. And the Instapot sounds to me like you get home and you just toss it all in and you push a button and it comes out. And I've been watching people with it and I think a lot of it is great. So if you think you're gonna use it and that's your style of using it, then yeah, that you need that. You should try it. And uh, they're not super expensive. I don't think they're a big investment. So I would definitely try one. Um, but I have a slow cooker. I most I don't necessarily cook in it as much as I, let's say I'll make a chili and I want it ready when I get home. So I'll just cook it on the stovetop and then throw it in the slow cooker and then it's ready. And then I entertain with my slow cooker a lot, like holding things for groups or, you know, at Christmas I put my mashed potatoes in it or whatever so that it's ready and done and I don't have to, you know, take up stuff. So, yeah, so what else do you need? Uh, I feel like... Mm, I could go on. I know you've got well. You have all the fancy gadgets, but you don't need no. all the fancy gadgets. No, you don't. But you do need a sharp knife. So get a knife sharpener, get a good cutting board, get a great blender, um, and that's like cooking equipment. And what else do I have? Oh, a good spatula. You need a good spatula. <laughs> Just for, she's for coming the blender too. Now you didn't have an opportunity to cook really in the kitchen because no. you said your mom was just so amazing that you stayed out of the kitchen. But what would you recommend for people to have taught their kids? What yeah. would be five things that every kid should know? Yes. Before heading to university or before heading off on their own, that they should be well equipped to be able to do this. Okay, so I started when my kids turned eight. This was the rite of passage. We have a gas cooktop, so you know, cooking over gas flame is dangerous. So I felt at eight they were ready to be mature enough and understand how to do it. So we started with scrambled eggs and teaching them the safety around it, tie your hair back, roll your sleeves up, make sure nothing's here, um, all of it. And, um, and then so eggs are very important and they're very versatile and they're very inexpensive. They're great, just scrambled eggs, fine, great source of protein. Um, except for my son Alexander, so but he, he knows how to make them. And then you can make um, omelets, you can make frittatas, uh, you know, hard boiled eggs for egg salad. So there's eggs are an incredible, incredible starting point. Um, I think they should all know how to run a blender and a smoothie because they all like it and they get creative and it's a very easy, safe way for them to experiment. Um, soup. I think they should know how to make a soup because you can open a thing of broth, 
chop up vegetables, throw in a few noodles and some of your frozen chicken, and you've got chicken noodle soup. I don't even know how to make a soup. Oh, no, I'm going <laughs> to teach you. Well, my son the other day, as an example, he does know how to cook, but he, the other day I was going to Silver Scissors, and there's a soup person next to soup place. He's like, oh, can you bring me home some soup when you come back? And I was like, oh, I don't get mad about many things, but I was like, pardon me. You make your own soup. I'm going to be gone for two hours. And so I put all, I threw a bunch of vegetables and some soup. I came back, they had made a delicious parsnip spinach soup. He and his girlfriend. Because I shamed him. I'm like, are you kidding me? You are asking me to. Our fridge is full and you're that lazy that you're not going to throw together a soup. You're going to wait for me. How long should a soup take then? Uh, 15 minutes. 15 minutes you can make a soup. It's just long enough to soften the pasta. If you're putting pasta, soften the vegetables. It does not take long. It is so simple. Okay, someone is going to start with a very basic soup. Yeah. They have their big pot. Big pot. Broth. Put the broth in. What broth? Chicken, vegetable, beef. Like, and matter. it comes in a container? It comes in a Tetra pack. You can make okay. your own. We won't even go there. Okay. Just buy one. Okay. Any kind that you like. A broth. Throw it a in. A broth. You put it in, start it boiling. While, it, while it's simmering, go chop up a carrot, a celery, and a small onion. Toss it in. As you're getting it done, throw it in. It's just simmering. Then look in your fridge. What do you have? Oh, I have red peppers and I have some broccoli. Chop, chop that up. Put it in. And then go into your cupboard and find a little bit of like alphabet noodles, spaghetti noodles, crack them up, let's say a quarter cup. Throw those in, because now, now it's boiling, the pasta and the vegetables are softening together. And then if you have beans, black beans, throw some black beans in there, like a few. If you had diced tomatoes, throw some of those in there. Chicken, it doesn't matter. You've got noodle, vegetable soup, and you can put in beans or whatever. And then you taste it and go, oh, it needs a bit of flavor squeeze a lemon in it or put a bit of soy sauce in it or salt, pepper. It's done and it'll be delicious. It'll be the best soup you ever had. That's the basic right there. There's your basic, basic soup. I'm going to basic. try that. Oh my gosh. I'm going to try it because you, you know what it. I do? My mom says, well, you know, how are you this weekend? She's like, would you like to make me a soup? And I'm like, yes, please. That's nice. Because <laughs> my mom makes the soup of still, course. right? But it, you know, it's it's interesting to go out of our comfort zone, yeah. right? And I, I've, I've always said, you know, once we started doing all of our interviews on the, on the morning show, I literally learned how to cook basics from you yeah. that I could come home because I'm pretty much I'll cook and I'll make great salads and I love to do the vegetables. Tony does all the meats and mm -hmm. there's our meal. Like, but I've never done a casserole. I've never done but anything you know, in my oven. I've never done a turkey. You know, like this. But you eat super healthy, so you just so when you say you don't cook, it's well, I don't. But I don't. For me, cooking revolves involves heat. Yeah. You know, and combinations or blending. Whereas for me, I just chop vegetables, make salads, and then he cooks. I think protein. that is perfect. So That's great. You, you, and I like that way yeah, of eating. But of when I think about whether I'm a good cook or not, I would have to say I have no concept of the real cooking that is what most people do but we all have our comfort zones right yeah. but it's about and I'm, I'm finding that it's it trickles down you learned yours from a mom who was way ahead of her time yes back back oh, then yeah, uh, and you had a passion for it right mm -hmm. there's there's still families who are running to do takeout and you know running and getting that packaged stuff out of the cupboard and kind of you know using you know, that and that's that's the scary that's part scary. is that it's it it just trickles down. It does trickle down. And we're in a bad situation now with the last two generations of 
you know, convenience food is very acceptable. It's heavily marketed. It's desirable. Like, it, it's amazing. Um, tastes good. It has everything. It wires our we're wired to eat that food, and there's no mistake that it's planned that way. So our kids have learned that, and we have a problem. And so I think this whole wellness um, movement is only going to grow, and it's going to grow because the kids are getting sick, and the parents are probably halfway sick already but it's not you know you can deal with your own illness but when you start to see your kids becoming unwell and struggling then you you, you figure it out probably so I think there will be a turnaround I think it's gonna get a lot worse before it gets better but then I think it will go back people are gonna start going back to basics figuring it out making the salad with a protein and you know and potatoes there's nothing wrong with that it's great and before we go I, I just I want to talk a little bit about the opportunity for us to travel together, uh, and you're one of the experts coming in on uh, the Leanne and Friends wellness cruise that we have yeah. along the Danube in 2019. When you thought about having this opportunity and doing these seminars, you know, when you're in a, a foreign, you know, like we're going to be in little markets and little, you know, yeah. European towns, what were you excited about, about the opportunity to share this knowledge and have this experience on the cruise? Yeah, I, my favorite thing when we go traveling is to go find the local market. I just walk around and look at it all and try to picture. And you, typically I don't have a kitchen when we're traveling. So the fact that we're going to have like a test kitchen to go back and cook things. So I'm excited to go and take people and talk about the food that's there and what we see and learn. And then grab a bunch of it and then go back to the ship and make something the next day. And, maybe, and then develop the recipe, like show how you can just take this and turn it into three recipes. And then they can hopefully go home and make it themselves. I'm really excited about kind of designing my ideal workout wellness food. Um, the idea that I get to pick what is going to be available to passengers every day. Right. As and whether option. or not you're going to do your Pilates or you're going to do yeah. your yoga or you're like, going to do your HIIT training. Like, I'm so excited. Here's what you're going to be eating. They're going yeah. to show up. There's going to be like a nice juice for them and there's going to be beautiful water. And then when they're done, they're going to have a power pack and then they're going to go have breakfast and have a smoothie bar. and. You know, and I like that it's an option because mm -hmm. not everyone's into it, but like at least... I still want my bacon. <laughs> of course, so do I. But you're going to be able to also, you know, supplement that with, even mm -hmm. if it's going to be a, a safe, kind of fun, delicious way to try something you've never tried before. Right. So like this day I might try that. But right. And it's not having that word diet. You don't no, use we the don't word diet. No, no. Diet. It's a horrible word, isn't it? It's a horrible word, and it's it's horrible in so many ways. It just it, it's defeatist, and you just kind of it's not realistic. It's just I just think you have to have a, a way of eating that suits you. Like the way you eat doesn't suit me at all. I do not like salad at all. Like I would not make a salad for myself or my family. I love cooked vegetables. I love um, so I'll do raw vegetables, but like I love it when people make salads. But I'm not a salad person, so it's to understand what is good for your body and what you need and then to you know it, one size does not fit all so these diets are trying to conform people into one way it's not good like it, I would eat vegetable soup every breakfast lunch and dinner but if you gave me a salad I just get bored and I would not eat it so people have to find because they're they're joining in on a certain diet or they're going yeah and I'm not gonna break down all of the keto all of that stuff right There's now but lot. for you it, it's it's everyone's gonna be individualized I think so. There are going to be parts of every single thing that will work for some and not for others. So it's to, I think it's just to understand your body, what makes it feel good, um, really pay attention to it, and 
pick and choose. I mean, try it on, see, but don't feel like, oh, I can't do that. Like, I cannot do a juice cleanse to save my life. Like, I need to chew food. I need it. I like it. I love the juices, but I see them as a supplement to, you know, what I'm eating. Um, so I think people just need to look at themselves as individuals. And, and same, like, my, I have a friend who's like, she forces her kids to eat foods that she likes, and, like, they really, truly don't like it. Um, but she can't seem to understand. Like, she, she has to not project her things onto those kids. Mm -hmm. Like, they need to do... I'm not saying you have to tailor everything, but some people have individual tastes like that. I don't like... My sister loves salad, and she loved margarine. You can make me eat margarine if my life depended on it. I ate butter, and I ate soup. So we were two kids in the same family with extremely different tastes and we still do so you have to kind of find out what works for you what works for your family and figure it out it's tough we're trying to figure it out each and every day we are trying to figure it out uh, if people can find more information kitchen connected best yeah. way to go yeah with the k k k KK, Kitchen Connected with the K, uh, .ca.com. .com. .com. Yeah. KitchenConnected.com if you're looking for more information on uh, Corey, uh, on her programs, uh, and just some really great information. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> See you soon back in my kitchen. Yay. Uh, and there it is. That's episode six of Living Your Life. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.